0: welcome to the online Bible study the mask comes off and Queen Esther reveals finally her petition to the king as we look this week at Esther chapter 7 verse 1 shows us that Haman and the king have now arrived for the second banquet that Queen Esther has prepared now there's a lot that has transpired between the first and second banquet you remember the king is coming having no sleep remember he was up all night and that's when he was reading the Chronicles Haman is coming with a crushed spirit and a heavy heart and then there's Mordecai at the king's gate who had been exalted by the king and has been paraded around the city square by Haman So, as you can see, God has worked to set the mood for Queen Esther's second banquet, where she will now reveal her petition. Let's look at verse 2. It says And on the second day at the banquet of wine, the king again said to Esther, What is your petition, Queen Esther? It shall be granted to you. And what is your request? Up to half the kingdom, it shall be done. Now the king here is very anxious. He wants to find out what Queen Esther wants. So he asks again, what is your petition, Queen Esther? And what is your request? He used the same words as we saw back in chapter 5. It shall be granted you up to half the kingdom, it shall be done. Now remember, this simply means that the king would be generous, but that the request had to be within reason. So Esther still had to word her petition and her request very carefully. Let's see what she says in verse 3. Then Queen Esther answered and said, If I have found favor in your sight, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be given me, at my petition, and my people at my request. Notice here that she says, If I have found favor in your sight. She is appealing to the king here. She is stroking his heartstrings. She says, If I have found favor. Then she goes on and says, If it pleases the king. She shows That her desire here is not to please herself, but to please the king. She is using her words very wisely. Then she continues, Let my life be given me at my petition and my people at my request. Okay, I'm sure the king is puzzled at this point. But, the queen continues on, Let's look at verse 4. We have been sold, my people and I, to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated. Had we been sold as male and female slaves, I would have held my tongue, although the king could never compensate for the king's loss. It says, for we have been sold. Now remember, Haman paid the king 10,000 talents of silver to write the decree. We saw that back in chapter 3, verse 9. Then notice, Esther uses the very words that are used in the decree. Destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated. Let's look back. At chapter 3, turn back there to verse 13. It says, And the letters were sent out by couriers into all the king's providences to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate all the Jews, both young and old, little children and women, in one day, on the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, which is the month of Adar, and to plunder their possessions. Now, you notice it said to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate. Now, hearing these words, the king would have to remember the decree and realize what Esther meant by sparing her life. Notice that Esther does not mention the, new, the Jews by name, but she does identify herself with them by including herself to be killed. And by addressing the decree, it is known that it was for the Jews that were to be annihilated. So, not only here is King Ahasuerus listening to the, to the queen's request, but Haman the prime minister is also, right? He's there at the banquet. Well, you can see it is all coming together, isn't it? You could just imagine Haman... At this point, his heart is probably racing at the words of his wife and the friends that comes to mind. Let's look back at chapter 6, verse 13, where it said, If Mordecai, before whom you have begun to fall, is of Jewish descent, you will not prevail against him, but will surely fall before him. Then, here we find out that Queen Esther is Jewish. You know he was in fear of his life as he sees King Ahasuerus' anger well up. Stunned and outraged that any man would attempt to kill the queen now knows that he himself inadvertently signed the death warrant of his own wife the king had to find a way to save his wife and, most importantly, save face at the same time. So we see in verse 5, the king asks, Who is he and where is he? Who would dare presume in his heart to do such a thing? The providential care of God was guiding this conversation between the king and queen. In a brief but pointed statement, queen esther exposed the evil man as we see in verse six she says and esther said the adversary and enemy is this wicked haman so haman was terrified before the king and queen well the king he learned a great lesson here didn't he he learned that he gave way too much authority to haman a very wicked man that he should have at least read the decree before putting his seal on it. Now, his own wife, the queen, was at risk. Proverbs 18.13 says, He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame on him. Believe it or not, the king, he didn't even know the nationality of the queen. Something that would have helped to have known before the decree went out, wouldn't it? Well, Haman, hearing his name come out of the queen's mouth as one who decreed to kill her, was now terrified as we see in the latter part of verse 6. He was utterly helpless and hopeless before the king. So many times we try to hide our sin, don't we? as if nobody knows, so I'm not going to tell. Well, Haman probably never thought his evil, revengeful ways would come back to bring him and his family harm. But, rest assured, just as Haman's evil was exposed, so all sin will be exposed before God. Ladies, if we just face up to our sin and just repent instead of trying to cover it up, we will feel the forgiveness of our Lord instead of his wrath. If we just give our enemies to the Lord and allow him to deal with them rather than taking revenge, we will feel the love of our Lord rather than his wrath. If Esther and Mordecai, remember, they put their enemy Haman in the hands of the Lord, They fasted and they prayed, asking for the Lord's guidance, protection, and strength before going before the king to expose Haman's plan. Well, scripture tells us that all acts of sin, wickedness, and evil will be exposed and brought out into the light. Let's look at Luke chapter 12, verse 2. It says for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed nor hidden that will not be known. Then look at Ecclesiastes 12:14. It says for God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. You cannot hide from God. Oh, we may try but you can't do it. Job thirty-four twenty-one says, For his eyes are on the ways of man, but he sees all his steps. Notice it doesn't say he sees some of his steps. It says he sees all of his steps. Now, there are a lot of people like Haman, and I'm sure you have a person that comes to mind right away. But we need to be careful that we don't get caught up totally in the wickedness of Haman, but that we learn from him. Take this powerful warning from the Lord that we need to make sure that we don't take revenge either into our own hands, that we watch our own temperaments and make sure that we don't have hatred and jealousy in our own hearts. Esther had exposed Haman's deception in leading King Ahasuerus to issue the decree of annihilation. And we now see in verse 7 that the king is full of wrath. He seems to be a very angry man a lot. Let's look back at Scripture. Look at Esther chapter 7, verse 7. It says Then the king arose in his wrath from the banquet of wine and went into the palace garden. But Haman stood before Queen Esther, pleading for his life. For he saw that evil was determined against him by the king. The king here is so angry that he left the banquet and went out to the palace garden. Now, scripture does not tell us why he went out there. But you can just imagine, this news that he just heard was definitely not what he had expected. He needed a little time to process all that had happened and all that was said. Now Haman has been around the king long enough to know his moods, and he had every sign given here to fear for his life. Haman knew he lost favor with the king, and in his anger he would not be able to rationalize the circumstances here. So he felt his only position, his only option, was to plead with Queen Esther for his life. Verse 8 shows that while he was pleading for his life, Haman had fallen across the couch where Esther was. Let's look at verse 8. It says, When the king returned, from the palace garden to the palace of the banquet and wine. Haman had fallen across the couch where Esther was. Then the king said, Will he also assault the queen while I am in the house? As the words left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. What timing! The king walks back into the room and sees Haman... Laying across the couch, look at his response. Angrily, he charged the prime minister with assaulting his wife. This sealed the fate of Haman, even though he was just pleading with the queen. Now we know that he was just pleading, but in his anger, the king felt that he was assaulting the queen. It says then, as those words left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. The word they there shows that the king, Haman, and the queen were not alone in the room. There were other people. There were guards. There were eunuchs. There were people serving the food. So it wasn't just them in the room. It was a custom to cover a criminal's face because they were no longer worthy to look at the king's face. So immediately, Haman's face was covered with a veil or a napkin, so that he could not look at the king any longer. Proverbs 11.8 says, The righteous is delivered from trouble, and it comes to the wicked instead. Haman meant harm to the Jews, but God would not allow this annihilation to happen with God said, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. Haman sinned against God and he didn't heed his warning. Matthew 7.2 says, For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So we need to make sure how we judge others, because that's going to come back on us. Verse 9, one of the eunuchs, Harbona, tells the king about the gallows which Haman had made for Mordecai. Those gallows that Haman will be hung on, as we see in verse 10. Let's read the scripture. It says, Now Harbona, one of the eunuchs, said to the king, Look, the gallows, fifty cubics high, which Haman made for Mordecai, who spoke good of the king's behalf, is standing at the house of Haman. Then the king said, hang him on it. So they hung Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then the king's wrath subsided. Haman's wife and friends had warned Haman, didn't they, prior to going to the banquet? And now here comes Haman, his face covered being escorted by the king's eunuchs to be hung on the very gallows that he had made. Haman's execution here is a clear picture of the surety of judgment. No matter who the person is, even if he is the prime minister of a nation, he will face the judgment of God for the deeds that he has done. Galatians 6, 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Haman sowed anger against Mordecai, and he reaped anger for the king. Haman wanted to kill Mordecai and the Jews, and the king killed Haman. We do weep what we sow, don't we? But, we have to remember that weeping and sowing are not just the bad things in life but it also is the good that we do. Look further in Galatians at verse 8. It says, For he sows to his flesh with all the flesh he reaps corruption, but he who sows the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. As we said last week, it took five years before Mordecai saw his reward. But he received it in God's timing, right? No good deed done for God will ever be forgotten. No loving word spoken in Jesus' name will ever be wasted. If we don't see the harvest in this life, we will definitely see it when we stand before the Lord. Even a cup of cold water given in the name of Christ will have its just reward. Haman received his punishment for going against God's people, the Jews. Every enemy that has ever tried to destroy Israel has been destroyed. Genesis twelve three. I will bless those who bless you, I will curse those who curse you, and you and all your family of the earth shall be blessed. God will always keep his promises. Whether it's Pharaoh in Egypt, Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon, Haman in Persia, Hitler in Germany, or Stalin in the Soviet Union, the enemy of the Jews is the enemy of the Almighty God, and they will not succeed. Haman is killed as he is hung on the gallows, but the Jews, they're still left with a major problem, aren't they? The king's edict to annihilate the Jews. Was still in effect. Just because Haman the originator. Of the decree was dead. Does not mean that the decree was nil a void. Persian law states that even the king. Could not change it. Well we will learn. The next time we meet. How God works through. King Ahasuerus Esther and Mordecai. To address the, the decree. Until then, continually seek God's plan in your life as He directs your path. May God bless you. Bye-bye.